Good morning. Every year on the fourth Sunday of Easter, the church celebrates Good Shepherd Sunday, whose name is derived from the gospel readings taken from the 10th chapter of John. This year, the section chosen for the gospel is very brief, so much so that those of you who are following along in the missal, I could hear the pages turning, people wondering, what is the deacon reading this weekend? I added a few verses before the gospel reading in order to get some more context around this gospel, in order to help shed light on today's message. So the scene is set. It's winter. It's the only time in any of the gospels that the season is mentioned. And Jesus is at the temple teaching from the portico of Solomon, most likely because it's on the east side of the temple and it's shielding them from the winter winds. It's the festival, Jewish festival, of the dedication, celebrating the rededication of the temple in 164 B.C. And today, that feast is known as Hanukkah. So as the people gather, we hear them challenging Christ, asking him again, Who are you? They're saying, If you're the Messiah, just tell us in simple words. And Jesus replies to them, What are you talking about? I've been telling you all along, I am. And I've done all kinds of signs in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you're focusing on this temple and you're focusing on your Judaic laws. And you do not listen. You don't want to listen. Or you don't have the faith to listen to me. But my sheep, my followers, they listen to my voice. They listen and I know them, and they follow me. This analogy of the shepherd's voice and the relationship to the sheep is pretty perfect for what Jesus was trying to say. See, during those days, at night, the shepherds would often come together in order to go ahead and have safety among the numbers. But come morning, when it was time to depart, each shepherd would call out to their sheep in their own voice, and the sheep would all separate and they would follow their shepherds for the day. I guess the question for us this morning is are we listening to God's call? Like the Pharisees, I think few are willing or able to listen or perhaps even believe what they hear. For it's much easier and self-satisfying for each of us to define who God should be, what God should be, and use God's name to defend our own position. Thus, by using God's name to endorse our own thoughts, our own biases, our own righteousness, we stop even trying to listen and therefore have lost the ability to distinguish between God's voice and our own. In his book, The Silence of Jesus, James Breach tells the story of coming here to Princeton to hear W.H. Auden read some of his poetry right on campus. Lecture hall was packed with noisy students, and when the aged poet took the stage, he spoke in a voice so soft, the microphone really didn't help. Those there began to whisper to each other how they couldn't hear the brilliant poet, and then start telling each other what they thought he was saying. Soon, Auden's would-be interpreters had 
drowned out his soft-spoken and actual voice. Breach recounts what he had learned that night. He said, quote, If you want to hear what a speaker is saying while others are talking, even though they are trying to be helpful, their voices distract our attention and interfere with our listening. In order for the speaker's own voice to be heard, the go-betweens must be silent. Needless to say, when the speaker is God, his advice takes on special significance. Today, I think our distractions are not only the voices of others, but also the bombardment of all the noise in our lives. I was recently reading an article where CEOs of many organizations are now teaching their employees how to meditate, that is, how to take 20 minutes out of the day to quiet their mind and their entire body and being in order to hear and process in a more focused way. Who would have thought that one of the most ancient forms of prayer would be used in the workplace to help silence and bring stillness to that place? Last year, my wife Teresa and I visited our son and daughter-in-law in Albuquerque. And the four of us decided to take a two-day trip down to White Sands, New Mexico. Which if you haven't been there, it's just beautiful. So we stayed that night in a town called Cloudcroft, population 768. And its tagline is that it's 9,000 feet above stress level. And it is. So after breakfast that next morning, we decided to go for a walk around one of the local trails in the treetops. And this, these trails were once where the trains would come up and bring supplies in the 1920s and 30s. So when we arrived, we looked at the trail map and we were trying to figure out where we wanted to go and how far we wanted to walk. And lo and behold, out of nowhere, nowhere appears this ranger. He introduces himself and says his name is Hank. Hank says it was our lucky day for he was closing up. This was the last day of the season. So we explained to him you know, what we wanted to do, where we wanted to go. So he showed us on the trail map which way to go. He says, there's this little side trail. He says, it's not that long, but make sure you take it. He says, it's an incredible scenic overlook. He says, when you get there, he says, sit on the bench. He says, and breathe in the mountain air. And look at the creation God has made. And then listen. And then listen to what's on the other end of the silence. Have you ever sat still enough, long enough, and quiet enough to listen to what's on the other end of your silence? No doubt there's something we fear about silence. Just look at the evolution of our Christian heritage rooted in creeds that begin with I believe, used to define our dogmas and what we believe in. It's interesting to note, though, how opposite it is of our Jewish forebearers, whose faith was rooted in hear, O Israel, with the focus being on the ears and not the lips, on the response but not the call, on the listening but not the speaking. 
Even today, in a few minutes, I'll lead us in our universal prayer where you will respond, Lord, hear our prayer, placing the burden on God to do all the listening. See, for most of us, our prayer life is all about telling God about our needs and our wants and our concerns and what our life should be like. What would happen if we reversed the process and named our concerns and asked God to tell us what we should do? But then listen in silence. Sometimes I think we do all the talking because we're afraid God won't. Or God will, and we won't like what we hear. But remember what we heard on the Palm Sunday Gospel of how that temple veil was torn in two, the veil that separated the holy from the unholy. God's presence is not limited to the temple or to this church. God's presence dwells within each of us. It's we who need to make the time to create silence and to listen, and then listen to what's on the other end of the silence. Listen to the voice of our shepherd, the voice that we're invited to follow, the voice that cries out to you and me, you, you're my beloved son and daughter, with you I truly love. Come, follow me.